Hello, everyone. This is the Road to Medical Sales Podcast. Make sure to press that subscribe button, rate us, and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and impact as many lives as possible. Today is an exciting day. We have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Sar Ahmed. We've had recruiters, top performing reps, President's Club wing managers, and regional managers on this podcast, but we haven't had the privilege of talking to a physician yet. Gaining the perspective of a surgeon is going to be pretty special. Dr. Ahmed is a board-certified, fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon. He has a dual fellowship from the Cleveland Clinic in both primary and revision hip and knee replacements, as well as shoulder arthroscopy and replacements. In addition, he has extensive training and hands-on experience in working in a level one trauma facility. He completed his medical degree, general surgery internship, and orthopedic residency training through SUNY Upstate Medical University at Syracuse. Dr. Ahmed has experience practicing at an academic institution, a large private practice, and as a solo practitioner. He's extremely intelligent, even though he'll never admit that to you, and he has a great heart. You will also never meet a harder worker. Sar has a beautiful family. His wife and daughter are at the center of his universe. Thank you, Dr. Ahmed, for coming on this podcast with me. Thank you, Scott. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. My mom always said that I always had a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) So podcast is similar to radio, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Same thing. Are we live? We are live. Excellent. I I should have told you that. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So let's dive right into it. Do you think that physicians are more likely to use a company that they used in fellowship I do think that as we start into the real world and start practicing, that we're relying on certain things that are consistent with us so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel, as it were. So absolutely, I use the same equipment that I was using, same sort of techniques. Over the years, I've modified them significantly. Either stuck with the companies or moved things around, and that's been for a variety of different reasons. But absolutely, as I come out into fellowship, I want things very similar to how I was taught. Residency, not so much. You really hone in your skills, and, and that's typically what most people do. And then the transition. So during your transition from fellowship into private practice, did you lean heavily on your reps? Absolutely. It was good to be on your own, but when you're on your own, you don't have anybody over your shoulder looking out for you. So it's very important that reps we have are able to help us. I even remember some of my reps at that time who are still currently actually my reps, and they actually were very helpful in rounding out my education. You know, we were very focused on certain aspects of learning in the residency and fellowship, but certain aspects are left out or maybe are autopilot that happening behind the scenes that the surgeons do with their reps. And we missed on those parts. And the reps were there to kind of guide us through certain processes, their experience and what they've seen. They know their equipment. It's very helpful for them to give us options in surgery. So absolutely. When I came out, that was very helpful. That's awesome. So 
That leads me to my next question, which is what is your definition of a good rep? Or in other words, what are the key attributes that you like to see out of your reps? The one we have already mentioned, which is their knowledge. You know, there can be a couple different things. Reps with their experience can be very knowledgeable in a certain intraoperative problems or certain complex cases that they can give advice on that they've seen variety of different option treatment options. The other way that they could have knowledge is their own equipment. If they know their equipment inside out, what other options they may have that could potentially help with this particular problems intraoperatively. It's also helpful, honestly, if they know the competition. You know, if they know a certain product is out in a competitor's market and you know that that would be better suited, and this is, of course, prior to surgery, if that's the case and they can guide us towards that company, and I've had several reps do that, it's not as if I'm going to lose loyalty. In fact, that's going to bring more loyalty because I know that they are looking out for me or the patient. So those are very helpful things in reps. Intraoperatively, most of the times, especially if you're doing cookie cutter case, it's important for the rep to be able to do all the things that I can't do because I'm scrubbed in and the OR staff might either not be trained for it or they're not as efficient or maybe they're not that motivated. I'm not sure what. My experience with a lot of my reps are that they know where simple tools are that the OR owns and definitely the circulating nurse should be running for. The reps go run because they know they can get it faster and that's needed and where it is the nurse might not know. So that would be very helpful. Or intraoperative suggestions. Again, if something was to not go according to plan, we should have backups available. So if you have a hole in one of your trays, what are we going to do? Should we delay the case until two, three hours until we have another tray up? Or can we prevent this somehow from happening? Those would be Good discussions to have with the manager, good discussions to have with the surgeon prior. What are the expectations for backup? Surgical discussions prior to the surgery, especially a complex one, is very important as well. Just to make sure that you're ready for the case. You know what they want and what they could want as a secondary backup. And I'm not saying barring holes. I'm just saying that if you want one implant didn't work, what would you use in its stead? And then speed of use too, right? Absolutely. Time's ticking from a cost perspective. Depending on what literature you read, it's very expensive to be in the OR, $100, $150 per minute. So that's fairly expensive. So the more expedient you can be, the better it is. Not at the cost of doing a good job, but you should be expedient as much as possible. And if you can get the equipment ready and be prepared, then you're faster in the OR. It's also better for the patient. The faster we close, the less anesthetic they receive and less risk of intraoperative complications like infections perfectly said. So I know this question is really high level and it doesn't apply to all surgeons, but I'm curious, how do reps that don't currently have your business approach you and what approach tends to sit well with you? That's obviously a very much surgeon-driven question, so it's very difficult to answer overall. For myself, I'm more of a time-constrained person. So if I'm running around, and a lot of surgeons are time-constrained, I don't need to have a special time set out. I don't need lunch brought in, for example. I don't want a dinner meeting. I'd rather know about it maybe via email, get the product sent via PDF, or catch me in between cases, casual discussion about the product that might be coming onto market. That might be the best way to reach me. Other surgeons do prefer a little bit more hands-on approach from the rep, a little bit longer discussion, potentially involving discussion over a meal, potentially might be reasonable. That's very much surgeon-driven. Typically, the easiest way to figure that out is to go ask them what method they prefer. 
direct method always works better. Yeah. Finding out what works for them. So there are a lot of studies out there and not every study is created equal. What criteria do you look for in a good study? And depending upon the level of evidence, what is enough to sway you to give that product a shot? That's a great question. In fact, you know, piggybacking on the previous question as to how to get surgeon's business, a generic surgeon's business, you really have to see where the surgeon is in what setting they are to be able to make that sale, as it were. I'll tell you a little bit more about what I mean. When I was in academics, it was very important that we have larger discussions, sort of case studies and randomized control studies. We basically be able to look at this product and say, is this a product that is going to be worth our time investing, learning, and implementing? Does this have good data behind it to justify switching to this product or utilizing this product? Sort of an academic question and potentially having a journal club involving residents and fellows in that discussion, getting attendings involved. That's a good way of sort of engaging everybody, getting that question out there, potentially a new product that either has not been seen before or it's a modification, something that brings the problem to light and then the answer is there. Very much an academic institution will welcome that. Studies help with that process. A lot of the times we are taught how to engage these studies in a very active manner and be skeptical about the outcome. So first things we're taught are look at who is publishing, look at whether they're receiving any monetary funding for or financial funding for this research. Where's the money coming from? Where is the publication? Is it more of an academic institute, reliable person? What level study it is? And even once we do that, we dive deep into the methodology of the study and to actually see if it's actually true. Do they have controls? Is it randomized? Is it truly randomized? What are their statistical analysis? So it goes into very much detail. Typically, a published study in a higher level journal, even then, you'd have to be pretty skeptical of the article being published. So it takes a lot for convincing based on uh, studies. Part of the problem being every rep, every company has a study out there. So you can't go by a generic, I have a study to kind of prove my point. You have to be able to realistically look at your study and you know that they're going to be heavily critiqued. So if you can critique it yourself and say, admittedly, the faults are this, this, and this, then you seem a little bit more knowledgeable and trustworthy because you're pointing out the faults yourself. So it'd be good to know the study yourself before handing it out. I've had some studies that are quoted to me. And when you go to the ultimate source, they're basically paraphrasing or quoting this author. And when you go to the actual source, it's not as good of a study as it meant to be. So some of the more important things when you're in private practice rather than academic. Absolutely. Yeah. The second half of that coin would be in private practice, you potentially may be looking at a surgeon who's more focused on time or cost. So if there's time savings in the OR, or if there's a cost benefit to using this product versus the product they're currently using, that would be very reasonable. Solution to a problem applies to all types of surgeons, but different problems may exist for the surgeon. So you really have to dive deep as to who you're talking to. If you're talking to a complex revision doctor who does very few primaries, then you obviously have to tailor your talk to augments and reconstructive options that might be available. If you're talking to a prior practice physician that is doing a lot of primary cases and they're fairly cookie cutter, you might want to tailor the discussion towards them. That's great. So 
This is my favorite part. What about one of your funniest stories from working in the operating room? (laughs) (laughs) Well, admittedly, there's a lot of funny things that happen in the OR. This one story stands out for me in residency. It's very embarrassing as well. So that's probably why it stands out. But uh, we had an attending in residency who had these wall of lesions, essentially writing down whatever residents would make a mistake, a funny mistake, not an actual mistake, but a funny mistake that would go up on the wall. So the way that I made myself go up on the wall was answering a direct question about an anatomic part. The surgeon was notorious for asking a question about anatomy. And if you didn't know the specific answer, even if you were 90% sure, you had to answer, I don't know. You had to be 100% sure and you couldn't be wrong. So Ultimately, he had broken me down to a point where he'd asked repeatedly multiple questions, what is this anatomical part? And even if I was 90% sure, I was answering, I don't know. So I had a lot of I don't knows behind me, and then he kept asking, and so my I don't knows continued, and ultimately held a a tissue in his hand and said, what is this? And I said, (laughs) I don't know, and he was holding skin. So he basically asked me what skin is, and I didn't know what that was. As a resident in orthopedics, basically, I did not know what skin was, and that's how I made it up on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That is too funny. Thank you, Sar. A lot of our listeners are either trying to break into medical sales or are currently in it. Do you have any parting words for them? That's a great question. I think that medical sales can be a very challenging field, but ultimately very satisfying. It is hard work. A lot of new reps coming out either don't understand that or looking at their colleagues who are several years out and just seeing their success. And success may at this time is really being valued as a financial success. And although that is good ultimate goal to be financially successful, to be rewarded for what you're doing, it comes at a price of hard work and it takes a lot to get there. You have to increase your knowledge base. You have to build the reports. You have to build, basically have to build the practice yourself. And it takes a long time to do that. So don't be afraid of that hard work. Don't be afraid of that long road. It is a tough road, but once you come out on top of that, you'll be uh, very happy and satisfied with the quality of work that you're able to provide and you'll have some financial success to back it up. In the OR, it's super important, as we have discussed this in the past, the rep can honestly help tremendously with the surgery to the certain extent that I rely on them for some actual clinical feedback and rely on them for help in the OR. So those things are very, very important to me. I value my reps rather than the actual companies so that I would follow my reps who I'm loyal to rather than the actual company. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Scott, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm going to take off like I will after every episode with a sincere thank you for tuning in and a little food for thought to carry along with you for the rest of the day. Albert Einstein once said, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. <laughs>